0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to This is Growing Old, a podcast from the Alliance for Aging Research. I'm Sue Peschen, President and CEO of the Alliance for Aging Research, and today I'm thrilled to be talking with patient advocates Jim and Jerry Taylor. I'll be talking with them about their personal experience with Jerry's Alzheimer's disease and what it's been like during the pandemic, their work with the Alliance's Talk Nerdy to Me training, and their latest campaign to change clinical trial recruitment in Alzheimer's disease trials. Jim and Jerry, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Thank you.
0: Now, COVID-19 has completely upended daily life the last few months. How have you both been doing?
2: Well, we're... I'm feeling um, generally very sorry about the situation of the world at this time and the people who are suffering. Personally, um, we're hunkered down um, in Florida um, and we're getting um, out um, as much as we can um, in terms of walking and uh, being in the outdoors, but not very much with other people. Zoom has been a blessing.
1: I've been walking and swimming and biking most days, so I really enjoy swimming down here in Florida. Uh, Beautiful pools and and the sunshine is really delightful. Also, you know, I think the high uh, impact rate for seniors has Spurred us to pull out our wills and get all our documents together in case we were impacted so that our kids could just step right in and handle the legal things that were necessary to be done. And that, that took a little while, and it's very all it's always feels good to have that refreshed and, and uh, tidied up. Uh, also, we you know, we watch Netflix more than usual, we're reading, reading a lot, but uh. Also, one thing we had a lot of exciting events planned this spring uh, related to our advocacy on Alzheimer's and of course those are all canceled so there's a, a thread of uh, we kind of lost our sense of purpose temporarily and that's one downside that, that we've experienced.
0: Yeah, I think that's the case for a lot of people too when you're when you have to isolate and you're at home, and, and that's, that's a big issue for a lot of people. So I appreciate you raising it because I think, and I think that's so much of what I appreciate about the two of you is just your openness uh, to talking about things that people sometimes are, I don't know, embarrassed about or afraid to reveal. Um, and I think that's good good for everybody to hear. So, you both have traveled extensively, sharing your experience with alzheimer's disease and your efforts with patient advocacy. so I'm wondering if you would please share your story with our listeners.
2: I thought something was going on and um stopped working at about sixty five and um but I I thought I was, you know, getting a little, not as sharp as before. Um, and, but was sort of wak- waiting to see if anything else would pop up, at, you know, sort of a, a drop dead date. And, and I did um, one morning when I went into the uh, bathroom and um, looked in the mirror and didn't recognize my face and i I just felt like it was wrong so i told jim that uh, i think something was off and we needed to go to a neurologist which we did and um and that was the story and um and that's what we've been working on since
1: Jerry had mentioned that she was having some cognitive issues but I really didn't worry about it and really think too seriously but so when we we went to the neurologist and he told us and explained it was MCI mild cognitive impairment we uh Jerry was emotionally ready for that uh, her family history um what she'd been experienced but I was totally stunned and I I think it's important to let people know that that's can happen to the care partner as well as the person with the disease. I was just really depressed uh, for two weeks at least and I was non-communicative and withdrawn Mm -hmm. and uh, after that you know I, I came back we talked about it and really began to straighten out our lives and figure how we were going forward And it has for us been a remarkable, remarkable journey. We've been blessed with many wonderful people that we've gotten to know with rewarding activities. And um, one of the things that happened to us was uh, the New York Times connected with us. Uh, Alzheimer's Association, New York City, connected us with the New York Times, a reporter who wanted to write a story about a family in the early stages of the disease. And we spent two years, actually, with the reporter working on this story, and it turned into a 12-page article that was a special section in the New York Times on a Sunday, which is wonderful because it helped us do what is very important to us, and that's publicly address the stigma associated with alzheimer's and give give people with the disease and care partners a message that they can live very wonderfully in the especially in the early and mid years of the disease and they the partner is simply forgetful at first and can still have a wonderful life uh, spurred on by finding a passion and by knowing that this can be a joyful time in their life. The other thing that then happened uh, is Jerry knew from her background as a CEO of a large care institution and research uh, that she's done personally that she wanted to get in a clinical trial. And so uh, we were very, very fortunate to find a trial at Yale and uh, it's the biogen drug aducanumab which now uh, may be the first breakthrough disease modifying treatment and uh, through that work we have become extremely aware of the crisis in getting people with alzheimer's into clinical trials less than one percent today of the people living with alzheimer's are participating in a clinical trial which is Really, a shame. There's a lot of barriers, and we're really working hard to overcome those barriers and to reach out to folks and encourage them to participate in trials.
0: That's great. Um, So, you've attended the Alliance's Talk Nerdy to Me training, first as participants and then as expert speakers. Uh, Will you please tell our listeners a little bit about what you learned from the training and how it's helped you as patient advocates?
2: my my um experience my education actually had me set up when I went to the uh program um, so i I had done research and uh, have a background in in that um so I sort of coasted a little bit that day in the afternoon however um what was so astounding and pleasing for me was that the other people on the panel, their work was a variety of uh, work, and they didn't have that background, but what they had was heart, and they had intention to make things better and to build programs um, for people with a, a I guess it was about four or five different um, diseases that people were representing and trying to get more um, whatever it needed, medication, support, a a whole variety of things.
1: It was a great experience for me, Sue. I really, I enjoyed it. I learned a great deal. Uh, Unlike Jerry, this was all new to me. And I, I, because you brought together people with four different uh, diseases, I learned, and you had an overview of each of the diseases with part of the course, I learned a great deal. So there was a great amount of support and learning back and forth between the individuals. I learned about the drug research, the phases of research and it really prepared me to be a much stronger and better equipped advocate. But the single most exciting thing that happened is there was an individual lady there, did, uh, did not have a medical background. She was in chronic pain, and she had formed a number of years earlier, a an organization to support people where none existed for people like herself. And you know, I realized at that point that, I didn't have a medical background nor did she but, but look what she's done just because of her intention and her work and the knowledge she's gained and I realized there was no reason that Jerry and I couldn't do the same thing that we we had all that potential and all it needed was the decision to 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 throw ourselves into this uh fight against alzheimers and really uh, was a very significant uh, decision and uh, turning point for us in our advocacy.
0: That's awesome. And you've done incredibly meaningful work. So thank you. In your opinion, then, why should other folks maybe consider participating
1: in the training? The training really prepares you to be an advocate. You know, you, you no longer have that, well, what should I say? Or you, you have a knowledge base on which to build your advocacy work. And the other thing I think you did that was great is you talk about how to be an advocate, how to do research, how to do trials. And you actually put us on the spot of coming up with something that's concrete. And both Jerry and I did that. And both of us followed through on that. So you really leave there with the tools that you have, that you need to be an advocate, what, what you need to, to afterward is to make a decision. How are you going to use those tools? Are you going to be worthy of the investment that Alliance for Aging has made uh, to educate you and give you this strengthening? And uh, if you decide, yes, I will do that, then you are on a very worthy road.
0: That's great. And for folks who are listening who want to learn more, Go to our website at agingresearch.org and click on the choice to learn more about Talk Nerdy to Me up towards the top. We're recruiting for this year, so if you or a loved one are age 65 or older and are going through age-related macular degeneration, heart valve disease, persistent pain, Alzheimer's disease. Or atrial fibrillation, and are interested, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. So, Jerry, I'm going to go back to your personal story. As a as a person living with Alzheimer's disease, what would you say to someone who's just been diagnosed?
2: I think it's very important to understand um, what goes on with Alzheimer's. Um, there's so many stories, people's experiences, jokes. Um, and uh, I think that grounding oneself with the, um, the path, uh, the path as, uh, that will go on through the, the disease, um, I think it's important to get a good diagnosis. There's a very, very lot of soft, Diagnosis. I have heard so many stories about people. Oh, I thought, I thought they told me I had that Alzheimer's. No, turns out I have something else. And uh, very important to know the enemy. The only way you can handle the, that sort of thing is to know how to get around with it. Um, there are organizations out there that um, can be very helpful sometimes with programs to um, give you a a picture of how the diseases um, go along and uh, gives you very often support in the form of new friends. It's always easier to um, handle things if you know somebody who's sort of in the same bucket, and you find ways you might not have had you not met these new friends. And even though you have Alzheimer's or something else, you need to get up for something to do every day. And uh, I think that's a good way to live generally, whether or not you have a a problem. Um, But finding a way to um, make yourself feel whole, make yourself feeling um, part of the game. Um, Be surprised what you can do um, that you hadn't tried before. And sometimes you you get a, you know, you get a a diagnosis you don't want, but you may have an opportunity to open up part of yourself that you hadn't taken the time for. Or um, um, with Alzheimer's particularly and with uh, some other diseases, it's very important to be very clear about how your day goes. Because the big problem is remembering. And you can spend, if you want, the whole day going around the house trying to remember where A is, where B is, and that'll just uh, wear you down. So what we look to, what I especially look to, is strategies. My closets have never been so neat. My shoes are all lined up because you can lose a day in
0: that. So uh, I have to ask you is um, when you become a lady that has Alzheimer's disease, do you still have a ton of shoes no matter what or what? (laughs)
1: No, actually. (laughs) uh, Minimize the number of (laughs)
0: shoes.
1: Fewer decisions.
0: (laughs) So uh, with you being the family caregiver, what advice, insight would you give to others facing a similar situation?
1: Thank you, Sue. I like this question because I've thought about it a lot. I get asked this by people who really want to know because it's not an easy journey for either the person with the disease or for the care partner. And sometimes the issues or the problems of a person with a disease are much more attended to than care for the care partner. So my suggestions are initially to, to take good care of yourself as a care partner. Uh, physically, emotionally, have time for yourself, uh, be gentle with yourself. Uh, especially as you adjust to the new role. I think, secondly, it's very important to work on ourselves to develop uh, greater patience. Uh, as the disease progresses, uh, Jerry speaks more slowly, uh, she accomplishes tasks more slowly, and we need to readjust our clock to better accommodate the change in patterns that the person with the disease is experiencing. uh, Our attitudes are very important. I I think living with Alzheimer's can be uh, challenging and pull down the emotions of the person with the disease and I think we underestimate how important our own buoyance, our own positive attitude is. So I think we need to figure out how to make ourselves physically strong, but also emotionally strong and supportive and help be there uh, to help raise the spirits of our partner when it's needed. Another thing is I think we've seen this in so many uh, of the people we've come in contact is that many care partners tend to be helicopter partners, Mm -hmm. like helicopter parents. Mm -hmm. they too quickly rush in to help and to do things that the person with the disease can still do for themselves in fondalizing the person with the disease, helping them to stay on the couch, which is the opposite of what they should be doing. So it's really, Jerry and I have an agreement that I won't help her with anything until she asks or I see that she's failing. And uh, because it diminishes her self-worth And her value of who she is uh, being uh, being overly cared for. Uh, I try to remember not to correct unimportant things. If Jerry thinks it's Wednesday, it it can be Wednesday, you know. I. But the need to be right and to express contrary opinions within myself is so ingrained and been so strong. This has been a wonderful opportunity, I think, you know, to really look at well, why is it important that. Jerry, be corrected that it's Thursday. Uh, you know, it doesn't really matter. Our life doesn't change that much, especially in the pandemic. So we just go with, uh, we try to go with what is.
0: I think that that's great.
1: That's mm-hmm. plenty. Uh, the, the last thing is to demonstrate your love. You know, I think it's so important to express how we feel about each other, to remind the person of the disease that they are so loved, uh, Touch. Uh, hugs uh, continually, not just at the beginning and end of the day, but to really uh, reinforce to that person what a fantastic individual they are.
0: And you as well, Jim. That's great. So I know you both try to find humor in the middle of all you've been through with dementia. What is one of the funniest moments you think you've experienced together?
1: Jerry, why you think about? I usually always try. One thing I didn't mention is I always try to let Jerry speak first, um, because she tend, might forget, or if I speak, then she's got to worry about. Well, does she contradict me or make me feel bad? So it's a good lesson for care partners to let um, the patient with the, the person with the disease speak first. But one funny thing in retrospect that happened to me is we were in Austin, Texas and about to speak uh, at a large gathering of people who'd come to hear us talk, about 100, over 100 people. And the minister was gonna introduce us. And um, just before we went out to speak, he said to me, now, how long will this be? At which I was surprised he didn't know because we had let the church know And I said, well, it's usually an hour and 20 minutes. He said, oh my gosh. He said, I never preach longer than 20 or 30 minutes. He said, you'll have to cut it short. It's time to go on stage right then. And and so he said, can you cut it to 45? I said, no. I said, well, don't take it personally if people start to walk out after 30 minutes. And of course, then we went the full 40, you know, what is that? 60 and 85 minutes, whatever. And not a person walked out.
2: Oh, that's awesome. It
1: was wonderful. And he came out afterward and he said, well, since I'm going to have to really rethink my material. <laughs> <laughs> Which for a minister, that's I thought was, was pretty good.
0: That's great. Well, I, oh, I, I hate ending this because I love talking to the two of you. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation and for joining us on This Is Growing Old. Uh, That is all for this week's episode. We want to ask all of you to please join us in two weeks for our conversation with Men's Health Network. Why do men have shorter life expectancies than women? And what can men do to improve their health as they age? I'll be talking with experts from the Men's Health Network to learn how men can pursue healthy aging. And in the meantime, please visit us at agingresearch.org to learn more about age-related conditions, diseases, and issues that impact the health of older Americans. And again, please check us out on our Talk Nerdy to Me page. And that nerdy stands for Nurturing Engagement in Research and Development with You. And we'd love to talk to you if you're interested. Hope everybody has a great rest of their day and thanks for joining us.